Welcome back to the Back in Business Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs about the rise after the fall, be it current struggles or past failures, and share with you, our listeners, the strategies they used to rise stronger and faster. We're your hosts, Justin Bertignoli. And I'm Joel McGalnick. So we've been in COVID for a year now, and I think we can all see that people are tired and they want to be done with the virus, but it's not done with us. But because and I, I'm pretty sure you're seeing this too, Justin, um, that we're, you know, we're seeing things like protests and we're just seeing a lot less empathy because our patience is just kind of wearing thin and we're just seeing a little bit more aggression. We're seeing mm-hmm. a lot less filtering of comments and just, you know, less pausing to be compassionate. And it seems to be getting a little bit worse. And, you know, I, I, I think it's not entirely intentional. I think that these Issues are real, and uh, they can lead to things in the workplace, like polarization, about all these social and economic issues, and that will ultimately end up in bullying and deterioration of company culture. And you know, just because it's happening, and hopefully it isn't intentional, it doesn't mean that the effects on the mental health of those people who are impacted is any less. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm excited that we have our guest today. Her name is Ruth Ann Weeks, and she is the founder of Harmony in the Workplace. And she's going to have some really great points for us on how to build a better culture and lean into a lot of the mental health supports that are available. Exactly. Yeah, very important. And it's interesting to me because the origin stories for entrepreneurs are often, of course, very unique. And for Ruth Ann, after finding what she thought was her dream job, she ended up you know, getting fired and, and actually dealing with a lot of bullying. Um, and so, you know, while workplace bullying isn't limited to just the past year and some of the challenges we're going through right now with COVID, um, you know, it's interesting because her rising from failure story actually meant starting her own practice and becoming an entrepreneur so she could share her lessons and insights with her clients. And it, it resonated with me because for me, that's much much like what I did when I had to rise up from from my business failures was to really go into this deep learning cycle of, of really understanding you know, who, who I was and what I wanted, but also understanding a, a new topic that had kind of triggered my fall. And, and for her, that's really around you know, this, this notion of bullying and workplace environments and how to, how to make that better for everyone involved. That's, that's really great. And a lot of times we'll see startups uh, based upon subject matter expertise of the founders. And Ruth Ann's experience as a subject matter expert is as being somebody who had to deal with workplace bullying. And so Mm -hmm. she spent a lot of time developing her expertise in workplace culture and trying to create a healthier office space. And, And so it kind of brings up those questions of why is this important for entrepreneurs who are trying to avoid failure in their companies? And there's a few things that I think you and I were able to come up with. Uh, together, Justin. So for example, culture can bring teams together during hard times. Bullying, you know, even if it's covert or passive bullying, which sometimes is the worst kind because other people might not notice, it, it can yep. cost the company and morale. It means turnover. And ultimately that becomes financial. And then oftentimes for founders, it's going to require a level of self-reflection. And that can be uncomfortable, especially in a founder culture that really focuses on pushing forward. But ultimately, it could 
bring up issues that make for a better company and a better product. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, Joel. I think the the other piece that caught my eye in the in the conversation is that there's a lot of self-bullying that we do that that's really subversive as entrepreneurs. And so, you know, Ruth Ann shares some really great insights into that field as well. Uh, and how you know we can do a bit better there for for our own mental health. So without giving all the details away, let's jump into things because I'm very excited. So good morning, Ruthann. It's obviously really great to have you and welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So we're we're here at a time of thawing in our in our lovely city of Edmonton. And I, I think this episode is a good one to to think about. Um, in some ways, like the idea of spring and rebirth and um, in, in the context of resilience, because as we kind of watch the thing, everything blossom, we can think about what do we do to make our lives a little bit better, to, to become a little bit more resilient and to just, just I don't, I don't know, like it, it feels like it's a good time to really jump into ways that we can make ourselves better. I think spring is always a good time to kind of reflect. And, um, but of course, you know, there, there's often a lot of things going on in the background that, that we need to kind of tackle and figure out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's why, that's why I'm excited to chat today with you then, because, you know, you've, you've had this different experience rather than sort of the, the entrepreneurial rise and fall. Um, you know, it's kind of this, this career rise and fall that has led you to entrepreneurship. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about that story and, and hear, you know, your perspectives on that today. Yeah, thank you for that uh, opportunity, Justin and and uh, Joel. Just to uh, jump in on the spring train, <laughs> I feel like this uh, long Canadian winter has been especially taxing for a lot of people. And I know myself, spring is my favorite time of the year, and it, I think it is because of that just sense of renewed hope and light. You know that uh, we get after experiencing so much darkness, and and we've been especially um, segregated this year during the pandemic and and it feels especially hopeful this year and yeah it does absolutely um reflect in my career path and and just my mindset i think mindset is so important to uh to this entrepreneurial journey for sure yeah agreed so you're the founder and um Would you call yourself the only practitioner or the lead practitioner of Harmony in the Workplace? And I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about what that is and how you got to the point of starting this business and and working with entrepreneurs. Well, thank you. I am the principal change strategist at Harmony in the Workplace. And right now I am operating as a solopreneur, but I am actively uh, seeking very strategically uh, Harmony certified training partners to extend my reach in the world and uh, plan to have some of that in place by the end of the year. So that's for, you know, people that may want to deliver my training materials in their own organization or even practitioners who are launching their careers that don't want to invest the last, you know, uh, the next several years creating their content and doing their research and all of that. So my business, you know, we talked, you mentioned uh, rebirth in the, in the opening comments about spring. And, um, you know, as a token female here today, I will tell you that birth is not easy (laughs) you know and rebirth is not easy either um and i think 
like so many in the workplace wellness um, field. And when we're talking about psychological safety in the workplace and that kind of thing, which I'll get more into later, uh, so many people working in the field have found themselves passionate about it because they've experienced a toxic workplace or workplace abuse. And that was certainly my experience. I found myself unexpectedly unemployed in 2015, having been uh, bullied in a very covert, behind-closed-doors manner um, from my workplace and founded my business in January of 2016. I don't want to give the impression that it was a, a, an easy flip of the switch or an easy transition. I had left a job that I loved in a small nonprofit to take a position uh, in middle management where I could grow and, um, you know, stretch my skill set. And I was never given the opportunity to do that. It was an organization where there was very little safety, uh, psychological safety. Psychological safety is about an environment of trust. Uh, it's a level above trust, actually, in taking um, where employees and workers and every voice at the table is encouraged to take interpersonal risk in expressing thoughts and opinions and ideas where near misses and accidents are reported without fear of reprisal uh, for the simple purpose of learning and growing and improving efficiencies and bringing innovation. Every idea is not a great idea, but someone has the safety, uh, they're in a safe place to bring that up without being subjected to disparaging comments or eye rolls or accusations or, or you know, We've all heard dumb ideas. You know, you've heard said that there are no dumb ideas, but who, you know, who hasn't heard a dumb idea? <laughs> and I've certainly been at the table and expressed an idea that I quickly knew, you know, was not uh, practical for, you know, whatever reason, but I felt safe, you know, to express that. Mm -hmm. But the workplace that I was in um, was not that at all. I was new to the team. My very first day on the job, I also asked for uh, an organizational chart because I'm a bit of a systems nerd and I like to know, uh, you know, where I fit in the team and, and just the reporting and and that kind of thing. And I mean, I was this was my shiny new opportunity. I was really gung ho to uh, bring my best to the workplace and and my team, you know, my I was a director and, and the information referral um section of the organization and my team actually we we got we got along great they bought my vision they were excited to work with me I was bringing some fresh ideas but I was treading lightly you know I wasn't going in guns a blazing trying to create a bunch of change I know that's not uh that's not wise but even simple things like I suggested moving some files to archives and the response from a peer director who although it was never communicated, sort of assumed a lot of the management duties uh, for the absentee executive director, accused me of wanting to destroy files. And so what happens when, when that occurs and what you say gets misconstrued, what ends up happening is you become afraid to speak up. She uh, never took the time to get to know me. She made lots of assumptions about me. And I found out later when I, you know, got called in and let go from that job that she had been disparaging my character behind closed doors. And, and I'll never really know what was said, but I also know that I did not do anything to deserve losing my job. 
Yeah, that's a that's a hard hard thing. And so from there, where where did you go? What were your next steps? Well, you know, it was really interesting. I, I'm a woman of faith and creator kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you've always wanted to work for yourself. Now's a good time. It's a good opportunity, right? It's I was in a position of transition. I have an autoimmune disease that had been dormant for years. And in that uh, environment where I was working really hard to try to fit in and, and figure it all out in my head. And, and I mean, this was my shiny new opportunity. I wasn't a quitter. I was trying to make it work. And, uh, but I, it affected my health, you know, so often of, uh, what's happening in our mind shows up in our bodies as disease, dis-ease, right? It leads to disease. So when I got let go, although I was devastated because my career, I felt like was in shambles, I was also relieved because my hand was forced and I was forced to make a change and leave the environment that was hurting me. I spent a lot of that long Canadian winter kind of practicing rudimentary self-care and just really getting refocused on who I was and, and just licking my wounds from, from my bruised ego, to be quite honest. And just then I got really busy with the business of learning. So I learned and educated myself on, um, became an expert in workplace bullying, in sexual harassment in the workplace, um, you know, got my certification as a psychological health and safety uh, advisor through CMHA, um, just really got busy with learning about <clears throat> occupational health and safety um, in Alberta and, and much of Canada. Occupational health and safety includes, um, they updated their violence and harassment um, legislation for the first time in over 40 years in 2018. And uh, they added, they expanded workplace violence to include violence and harassment. So they added things like workplace bullying um, and harassment, psychological safety in the workplace, uh, sexual harassment, domestic violence, as it can affect the workplace and show up in the workplace. And so I got really busy um, learning about those issues, which are complex. And, you know, let's be honest, everybody has a has a perception of what they are, but it's not necessarily rooted in, in reality. They're complex issues that people, unless they have special training, unless health and safety has specialized training, um, human resource has specialized training, managements and business leader, leaders have that specialized training. Like I said, they have a perception, but it doesn't give them the full lens of understanding that they may need to do their jobs. Just to jump in a little bit on, like, obviously learning was a big piece of it and kind of fully leaning into learning both, you know, in some ways about yourself, but also about where you could go to prevent uh, some of the, the the challenges that that you faced for others, which has obviously led to you know your career now. Were there were there other things that you you had to do to tackle the other pieces of your life? So financially, of course, losing a job is never easy. There's there's emotional and social, right? So were you able to tap into social networks or or even just do simple things like you know go for walks and take care of your health? Right? I mean, you talked about having a autoimmune disease that flared up. You know, were you able to to do things to kind of recover that that health piece? Um, you know, and those other pieces of of your life as well mindset for me and I believe most of us is huge particularly during the entrepreneurial journey as a solopreneur <laughs> especially because um, you know I can get into my own head a lot and I can um, you know I, I believe fully that our thoughts either lead us to peace and healing or they lead us to stress and anxiety it all starts in the mind and where the mind goes the energy flows and so I got really really um, intentional about that learning about 
that mindset work and how to be intentional about that and what that looks like and incorporating that into my day. And we're in a social shift where people are acknowledging um, their full selves and bringing their holistic self, uh, you know, not only to the workplace, but to life in general. I think if nothing else, this COVID disruption of 2020 and and that we're still in um, has given everyone on the planet uh, a moment to pause and really reflect on what they value and what's important to them. And I believe that we are in a very unique time in history and that as business owners relaunch uh, their workplaces, the world of work will never be the same. You know, I think we're going to have hybrid models of people working from home and working in the office. I think it's uh, a really smart time for business leaders to pause and reflect on their values and what they value and what they want to uh, create in the workplaces that they manage. You know, if you say that you value family, but the, the culture uh, whether it's written or not, culture is just the way day-to-day business is done. Uh, you know, if your organizational culture is to work 12-hour days and, and never take a holiday or or get shamed if, you know, you don't come in on a Saturday morning or work on a Saturday morning, that there's a disconnect there. So it's just to really um, be really intentional about organizational culture and building that culture. So it's interesting that you bring up culture because that's one of the things that I think about in terms of issues of Anything from processes to things like or like operational or organizational safety and the idea of culture coming from the top in order for it to be intentional is something that I've kind of seen myself. And so I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what, what about an organization do you need to help them with to make them aware of the idea of psychological safety and harassment free zones and what makes them come to you to actually, you know, to engage, to help them get on that path to make sure that everybody in the organization can feel like they're coming to a workplace where they can be their entire selves? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, often when they come to me, it's because they've had an incident. It is much better to have a proactive approach, obviously, to to psychological safety and, and, and workplace violence and harassment prevention, um, you know, to have uh, your policies and procedures in place. But, you know, with the caveat that there is not a policy on the planet that actually keeps anyone safe. It's it's just a paper. It has to actually absolutely be enforced. And, and, you know, we talk about culture, creating that culture of safety and support. It absolutely needs top uh, top down buy-in but it's implemented bottom up so you know you have to have leaders that are willing to make those hard right decisions if they've got someone in the workplace that you know once your policies and procedures are in place and they're um, comprehensive and designed to keep everybody stay safe within the legal framework that we have you've trained all your workers on what's in those policies and procedures so they know what's expected and what's uh, what to expect if they don't toe the line. But yeah, proactive approach is always best. So don't just keep conducting investigations on complaints. Actually change the root cause, right? And that can take time. It's a process to create a a culture, an organizational culture with intention. It's great if you're just starting your business and you get really clear on where you're going and and how you want to do that with intention from the beginning. Um, You know, that's what I'm doing with my business. And it's exciting to me. Like, and, and 
you know, it's, it's, um, I teach on this stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it comes easy or natural. Like, because, you know, as a business leader, you, it starts with you. And sometimes, you know, it's your baby and, and you have to kind of be willing, have that transformational willingness. Right. Uh, but when you're actually working in a culture that is established, I mean, right now culture is kind of all over the place with people working from all over, you know, they're working from home, they're working from the office, there's a hybrid here, a hybrid there, it depends on the industry. Uh, but there is no better time than be than now to be intentional about making those changes. Entrepreneurs are reasonably delusional, uh, you know, playfully at least, to themselves. And if you're trying to create a culture of psychological safety and deliver that to the rest of the, the organization, um, you know, whether we're rising up from a, a previous fall or we're, we're kind of reflecting on our, our past selves, how do we give ourselves psychological safety? There's there's so many different pieces of that puzzle that create around, you know, around truth and, and actually, you know, living what you say. But there's also times where, you know, if there's no full team, like much like perhaps yourself right now, right, where it's, you know, the solopreneur, you, can you make your own self policies to catch you when you're not being safe to yourself or you're not giving yourself space or honoring the time you might need? It's really interesting that that comes up, Justin. I actually just published a LinkedIn article this morning uh, titled, This is Leadership. And uh, I wrote it yesterday and it's very, very vulnerable to share um, because yesterday I just wasn't okay. You know, I woke up in the morning and, and, um, I just wasn't feeling myself. I, I get up at five 30 and, and usually go for a walk and, and I, I get up and I was in a fog and, you know, put my runners on and just, you know, looked my dog in the eye and said, Nope, buddy, you know what? Sorry, it's not happening today. And I wanted to crawl back into bed, but I had meetings back to back to back. So to answer your question, yeah, you know what I did? I held space for myself to feel what I was feeling and um, get really curious about why I was feeling that way, but not beating myself up about it. And, uh, you know, I, I believe, in the, and this is what I say in the article, that leadership is changing and it will be changed forevermore. You know, the old school leader that was all about uh, an authoritative management style and never let them see you sweat and, you know, fake it till you make it. And, um, you know, feeling that if they if they showed any vulnerability or they showed that, you know, they weren't okay, that they would lose credibility, that they would lose respect. The 21st century leader is absolutely a leader who embraces their vulnerability. And, you know, we just need to say that when you're able to bring your whole self to work and show uh, your own vulnerability and say, you know, I'm just not myself today. You don't have to get into it any more than that. We're in a period of authentic leadership and those uh, leaders that can get it right, that can be vulnerable and be strong and be brave um, will be employers of choice in the 21st century. We got to talk a, a little bit here about generations, um, mm -hmm. millennials and Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z are the younger generations that are now, you know, graduating post-secondary, entering the workforce. They uh, are, for the most part, okay 
talking about mental health. If they're asked uh, to do a check-in, a mental health check-in, they're going to be okay with that for the most part, and they're going to feel supported in the workplace. Uh, you know, older workers might feel more comfortable talking about stress or burnout because those are terms that they may be more comfortable with. There's still some stigma around mental health. But again, psychological safety is about um the freedom to be your authentic self at work and bring your whole self to work. I actually saw a quote that that kind of embodies exactly what you were saying. Uh, the, the quote was, you know, leadership today is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of the people under your charge. Absolutely. Yeah. Simon Sinek says leaders eat last and mm-hmm. leadership, uh, true leadership is about servanthood and you know being a coach and helping the people on your team really um, bring their best selves to work and empower them to uh, bring their best work and and it's win 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 that's the beauty of psychological safety is because the employees win because they feel like they're contributing to a team they're you know they, they they're aware of the vision they know where they fit on the team to bring it to fruition Obviously, there's conflict in every organization, but conflict doesn't have to be unhealthy. There's ways to, you know, be respectful and and work through that. And the real winners are um, the businesses themselves because they're innovative. They're improving efficiencies consistently. They are um, providing organizations where people want to work. Their uh, employees are Uh, you know, ambassadors for their brand. And they end up not only being the talent takers of the 21st century, but they will eventually surpass their competitors that aren't embracing psychological safety because their teams are just so much more efficient and functional. We met over a year ago, uh, back when we could meet in person. (laughs) And um, but we met in environments that really focus on entrepreneurs and people who are, you know, in the early stages of business, starting a business or thinking about starting a business. And a lot of them may be subject matter experts in their field and want to develop a product or a service that fills the pain point, right? But at the same time, they need to be th- thinking about growing a team and being a leader within their organization. So being in that environment yourself, how do you counsel or advise these early stage entrepreneurs to adopt this idea of psychological safety in their workplace from the beginning so it doesn't become an issue later? Well, you know, there's a lot of evidence um out there already and and there's more coming out all the time how paying attention to this this stuff is important and and I've identified three reasons why people get on board with this you know we have a legal framework it's actually required uh, legally um, there's all kinds of data coming out all the time about how important it is and what the the real fiscal ramifications are of ignoring these issues and the third reason is that you know it's the right thing to do and again you know I I, I run into um, employers who sometimes are, or managers who are sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm retiring in three years. I'll just let someone else deal with this and, and just, you know, maintain the status quo for now. Uh, but my challenge to them is what kind of legacy do you want to leave? You know, you're leaving a leadership legacy. It, it's the enlightened leaders that are really getting on board. We're still sort of early adopters <laughs> with those that are embracing this, but it's not going away. You know, it's been building momentum and, um, uh, I think the COVID disruption has just accelerated everything as we are looking at the holistic workplace. 
I want to lean in a little bit to you as somebody within a company in your in your initial struggles uh, that led you obviously to to not have that psychological safety and to start your own company. Given what you know now, as an individual within the company, but maybe not the the CEO or the leader, how could you do things differently, or how would you approach things differently, perhaps to course correct rather than to you know have to be a place to walk away. Are there things that you maybe could have done or is, are some situations just untenable and you need to make decisions that are healthy for yourself? If I had it all over to do again uh, with the employer that ended up firing me because of covert bullying, I would have asked more questions in the interview process. I would have asked about leadership style and management style. I would have asked about uh, professional development. You know, I have credentials that I need to keep up and um, their entire budget for professional development was $500 a year for the entire organization. Um, you know, just little things like that, that, you know, were important to me and my career path that I didn't ask. There's 13 psychosocial factors that the um, Mental Health Commission of Canada has associated with organizational psychological safety. And some of those fall under HR, like making sure the right person with the right, um, you know, social makeup is in the right job. You don't want to put an extreme introvert, you know, making cold calls, for example. And, you know, making sure that they're uh, rewarding, um, recognizing and rewarding employees in a way that resonates with them. So it's really, and there's, you know, and health and safety, some of it falls under them. You know, they're responsible for conducting the hazard assessments through those lens of understanding and that kind of thing. And, and um, you know, doing the uh, prevention planning. So it's, you know, it's really interesting that it falls under different um categories within the organization and and different people are responsible for different fields. Great. So this has been your own uh, entrepreneurial journey. What is next for Harmony in the Workplace? And what are some initiatives that you've got coming up that you're trying to build your own business, but also trying to expand your reach to a wider array of organizations? Yeah, thanks, Joel. I um you know, like everybody else, 2020 was a pivot year. I had aspired to get my training materials online, but it was something I was going to do down the road. And in 2020, it quickly became priority one. So I'm actually building out and launching a Harmony Training Academy. Uh, I do have my first course up. It's uh, Level Up, Work Safer. And it is the full meal deal around psychological safety. We get really into defining what psychological safety is, really defining what violence, uh, workplace violence and harassment is. We look uh, in depth at bullying and sexual harassment. And I use um, a combination of real life scenarios from from clients um, that I have worked with and come across. It's, it's a lot of content and it's, it gives people that lens of understanding. And then we get into, uh, you know, what to expect uh, and best practices around reporting and investigating incidents, um, providing support to, to those um, that are experiencing workplace abuse, best practices practices for what to include in those policies and procedures to stay compliant within the legal framework and be able to prove due diligence and protective factors. So that is launched now uh, with more coming. I'm working on mental health SOS, critical conversations next. 
Yes, and also uh, am really excited about the Psychological Safety Workplace Psychological Safety Symposium coming up at the end of May. We have a lineup of dynamic speakers that we're going to really dig into psychological safety from a leadership perspective, from a change management perspective. We've got a psychologist that's going to talk about how best to provide support for those that may be experiencing workplace abuse. We've got um, a wellness uh, consultant who's coming to talk about neurological nutrition and how what we consume and how we consume our foods uh, affects our brain chemistry and, and our learning abilities. And I'm going to talk about culture and, and pieces of really being intentional about building that culture of trust and safety. And all of that can be found on my website, uh, www.harmonyintheworkplace.com. Um, you know, the school link is the training link is right on my homepage and there's an events tab with details about the event coming up at the end of May. So yeah, I'm really excited to get, uh, get the information out there and really help support employers. I think a lot of them really want to do the right thing, but they're not always sure where to start or how to implement some of the changes. That's great. Well, Ruthann, I really appreciate you joining us today. I think it gives our listeners a lot to chew on, you know, especially those kind of in the early stages to think about, you know, how do I make my workplace a place where people want to be and feel safe and just, you know, can can bring themselves to work and, and perform at their peak. Yeah, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Back in Business is executive produced by the two of us, Justin Bertignoli and Joel McGalnick. Want to be featured on Back in Business? Email us at story at backinbusiness.io. Find resources, assistance, or just someone to lean on by visiting us at backinbusiness.io. Thanks for being part of our journey back. <laughs>